Welcome back to the Motorific Podcast. I am Joanne. I'm here with my awesome co-host, Christy. Morning. Good morning. I feel like last names are at this point. I mean, <laughs> all formalities. Why do we really need that now? We're at episode 77. We apologize for the delay, but we're going to bring you an action-packed episode with a lot of miscellaneous updates and stories and things. How's my co-host doing? Just peachy keen and swell. What are we going to start out with? We could start out with some crazy helmet ideas. Oh, God. Some crazy goods, some crazy terrible. Um, That's right. There is also a brand new camera on the market that uh, is currently at your local Best Buy. Might be a good Christmas present if someone's dragging dragon ass not getting to uh to buy their uh, significant other the perfect gift oh he gets plenty of presents i don't well we just decided... wasn't necessarily direct <laughs> you i'm sure there are other people dragon ass it's what that the too. 19th like what is today yeah today's the 20th maybe? 21st whoops yeah 21st <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't need to shop for anybody, so I <laughs> yeah we days run away from me. Yeah, we decided to skip the shopping for each other this this particular year. We go back well, and you forth. Guys, you had a great birthday present. I had a good that. birthday, and like we don't need any gifts for ourselves. We're we're doing pretty good with our own gifts. Um, we got plenty of stuff. Yeah, so... for a while there, I was doing the <laughs> make my gift. Oh, very nice. That's a good. Of course, idea too. the. Uh, that didn't happen. But I made him something really nice when we had to do that one year. Well, see, um, at this point, I like I told him I, we don't need any gifts. So I'm going to feel I'd, I think I'd make him feel bad if I got him something or made him something. So I'm like, sure. done. But um, well, I would say this particular <laughs> gift, if you have someone who is tech savvy, you know, they don't they have a GoPro. They want to take it to the next level as far as photography and depth and video. Really? There's this new camera called 360 fly and 360 fly is about the same price as a gopro but um it has surround video so it gives you the power to capture 360 degrees hd interactive video and i'm sure that the editing software that they give you hmm. is proprietary because I looked at the video, like it, it seems like you're opening a YouTube video on this site and it's um, 360fly.com. That's their website. And if you touch the actual video with your cursor, you can move it up, down, over, oh. left. So in other words, there is a guy going around a track and you can actually like shift the video a little bit so you're zoomed in closer to where the striping is or mm. however that may be or mm. see the sky so it's really quite cool to be able to catch not only the perspective of the camera staring back at you but to capture the road hmm. so you're not limiting yourself with your placement on the motorcycle um, the placement only affects the view 360 degrees so if you wanted to have um closer to the ground then you can have one near the ground and then you can have one near the bars or, or something to that extent so hmm. anyway if someone is out there by the way that does a lot of video on their motorcycle i would love to hear your feedback because uh, i am hmm. going to test the senna camera setup 
this weekend actually and it was recommended to me that I put the camera on the helmet and granted there are certain places on the helmet I know I'm not really going to want to put it but um mm-hmm. because no matter how good your shocks or your or your suspension is I had heard that the camera is going to have some wobble on it if you put it on the motorcycle so if anyone has any fabulous recommendations as to how they film video, uh, I will be all ears because I probably won't set up my bike until the 24th or the night before. So we have a couple of days here if we get the podcast up and loaded. I just wonder if, there, if it's also shooting in the same resolution as the GoPro because the GoPros can do 4K. Um, mm. I yeah, I don't know. know about the resolution exactly. I'm sure there's I something don't that would talk this... specs. <clears throat> no, this one, this, this one doesn't. So its selling point is the 360 filmmaking. Um, it does not shoot in 4K resolution. But that's really only it's... something... It's really only something who actually shoot video for a living, like mm-hmm. professional video. Because as consumers, we just don't... That uh, we don't need 1500... that. 1500 by 1500 yeah like it's not as important to us because you know we're just consumers and we're we're just trying to shoot fun videos for ourselves and maybe for youtube but if you're doing professional level shooting then you want a gopro black um for that 4k resolution but whatever the 360 is cool though it's neat that it can shoot like that and you get a different point of view that's kind of neat but um your cena headset that she's talking about is the 10c correct and the 10c is basically a um like mine like a 10r added combined with a gopro unit in one so it's your intercom bluetooth headset and it's your camera so you can like shoot video and then narrate it so you know here i am here i'm christy farrell with motorific and i'm riding down the five the most boring freeway in the world check it out you know you can audio narrate no that'd be the 10 or the 10 <laughs> um you can tell we're totally californians right uh it, it's cool to have that way you don't need two different devices and that's why I'm, i probably will never get one because we already have a gopro black i've got a cena if i want to do that i can buy they make a backpack so they make a little middle device it's called the backpack and then you stick it on the gopro and now you can um do the audio and the video narrating and you can, yeah, communicate if you don't have, if you already have a Cena and a GoPro or a camera, you know, well, GoPro, then you don't need to buy another thing. But I'm too lazy to use the GoPro. I know I can. I'm just really lazy to, like, put it on there and set it up. And I should, Yeah, I'm not though. smart enough for the GoPro, so we'll see how the 10C uh, setup ranks. Oh, it's that, that one's a little simpler because you just mount it, you know, and turn yeah, it Yeah, I am just an idiot when it comes to electronics. There's, there's a guy. There's probably an instruction manual. Read it. It's there. Yeah, I don't know, man. Oh, <laughs> instruction manuals are dicey for me. You sent me a video. If you could resend me that link. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I sent awesome. you. I think I basically <laughs> I <looked all> over <laughs> for it. sent you the link to the product on Revzilla because oh, okay. um, our cool. video camera guy, Ryan, he did a review with oh, the 10C. Okay. Yeah, it's a great video. I, I learned a lot about how, how to use the unit. So he's riding around Philly, and he's talking about how it works and how to use wow, it. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Looking yeah, forward to that. That would probably be the one product video I'll ever watch. Um, <laughs> it's a very so good ask video. me why it is that I'm testing this camera this weekend. 
Oh, all right. Well, why are you testing this camera this weekend? Are you going anywhere <laughs> exciting? Is there something you want to tell me? Well, last <laughs> night I was trying to secure my Christmas plans. Oh. And I kind of misunderstood my friend who said, yeah, come join us for Christmas. Because he meant come join us after the 25th. Oh. And I was thinking, yeah, I kind of need somewhere to go on Christmas because I'm a loser without any family. Oh. Uh, so every here, year you know. becomes... Every year becomes a little bit of a challenge for me because uh, I'm okay. not officially adopted anywhere in particular. You're, whatever. You're coming here next year. Let's make a plan right now. You get my arrow bed. You get to lay with Benny. You come, Ooh, here, come here Benny. next weekend. Next week, I think next year, Christmas will be on a weekend. It'll be like a Friday-Saturday uh, combination of Eve and day. Well, right now, it's a good Friday-Saturday combo because uh, it Friday is Christmas, right? And then, uh Yeah. Yeah, Eve yeah, is Thursday. So, yeah. So I sat there thinking, well, what can I do? I could go away. I've got plenty of points. I could stay at a nice hotel. But what I'd really like to do is go up the coast if I was going to do a solo trip. And then I remembered Steve always goes to Baja. Or at least he sends me these emails repeatedly about how they're going to Baja mm -hmm. chasing fish tacos. Oh, yeah. And so I uh, texted him and I was like, uh, hey, so are you still going down to Mexico for Christmas? And he says, well, I've got some stuff to do. I should really stay at home. But why do you ask? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, this year might be the year that I finally say yes. And he was super stoked and already hatched out a plan. And I think there might uh, might, might be another group joining us. So Fun. Well, in any event... Basically, it was, uh, hey, what are you doing for Christmas? Going to Baja? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I'm like, I'm in. And then he's like, I'm in. Okay, right. That's that's how I make my plans for the holidays. So we'll probably take off around, well, I, I said I'd take off the 24th and the 28th. So. Wait, are you driving it'll, it'll in four wheels or two? Two. Oh, fun. So motorcycle road trip, going to Baja, getting some fish tacos and... Uh, and um how far is that for you from where you are? Uh, San, San Felipe, or yeah, it's probably like a long day's ride. That's not bad. But we might break it up into two. Who knows? I've got like four days to burn, so. Mm, nice. Yeah, I'll be here. And we'll be beach camping, so I gotta go Aww. dig. I uh, gotta go dig for the tent somewhere up top. That sounds fun. We're gonna be. Well, it's gonna be seventy. Apparently. Yeah, it's going to be 70 there, too. It's going to be 70 here, which is really not normal. We should have snow right now, and there's no, been no snow. And, is that a um, problem for you? You can still no. ride a motorcycle. <laughs> no, no, we're going to go riding on Christmas Eve. I don't know where, but we're going to go for a short ride someplace. Awesome. Um, we're going to go actually spend, excuse me, going to go spend um, Christmas evening, like dinner. We're going to have dinner with my friend, and my he's my boss, but he's also my friend, and his wife. They have this wonderful little estate like a mini estate up in the burbs it's actually just beautiful it's a converted farmhouse uh, an old renovated farmhouse and a renovated barn so then mm -hmm. we have we'll get together in the barn because it's like a little one bedroom studio or loft basically so mm -hmm. there's a kitchen and there's a fire pit and we're gonna hang out we're gonna oh we're gonna deep fry turkey again because we deep fried Ooh. turkey at thanksgiving and it was outstanding absolutely outstanding so we're gonna use that investment again and make a deep fried turkey so that's christmas day and then i gotta work the day after christmas 
It's supposed to rain tomorrow as well, but oh. I've been in my car because it's been a little chilly and I'm a little bit whiny. <laughs> chilly for me is like 50, but uh, at any rate, uh, it's really the long hours that I've been working. Yeah. I have no interest in going to work at seven or eight o'clock in the morning and coming yeah. back on a motorcycle at 930 at night. It's yeah. just not really something that I'm interested in doing. Yep. So yep. I need to grease the chain take the bike for a quick spin, I'll probably need to give it an oil change after this trip, which would mean a whole lot of fun of taking off the skid plate. My favorite task. Good times. And I finished all the plastics on the 175. They're that. all nice gloss coated. So maybe, just maybe, if I've been good this holiday, um, I will get some help around new year's to put it back together have not asked about that yet but mm. yeah i i bought a gasket kit to replace all the gaskets because a lot of it's coming apart so at any rate mm. onward from our fun stuff and to a ridiculous helmet design now we have to you know we gotta clarify this this is an old Luckily, it's an old story, though. Uh -huh. Not and the old story never, never went to uh, to production. Thankfully, I wonder why, Christine. Have... Why would it not have been successful? You know, looking at this, it it won a design award. But what do designers know if they're not motorcyclists? Jack shit. Sorry. Pretty much. This guy needs to go back to designing teapots because if you look at the rest of his website, that's oh. like what he usually does is teapots and artsy stuff. And yeah. by no means am I passing judgment on any of that because you can just kind of see a pattern of success and then a motorcycle helmet. And when you see this motorcycle helmet and you read about the rationale as to why, is there a good way to describe this without oh. having to show a picture? Um, it's Do you a have that dialed I, in? I don't know that I can describe it, but the name of it, if you just Google, is called Luxy, L-U-X-Y, like luxurious for short, helmet. And you'll see this <clears throat> terrible website showing, you know, this wonderful design, blah, 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 and, and how beautiful it is, blah, 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 and the terrible and how it was modeled <laughs> after the pixie cut your oh, bangs are God. off to one side uh 60s mod hairdo so it's i think he actually designed it for people riding vespas maybe he designed it for a movie maybe this was a Doubtful. costume idea because <laughs> this is much better for a fake someone who isn't really riding yeah, if you can imagine um, women having uh, slightly longish bangs yeah. and starting from one side of the face and Here, cascading like over to the other, just like exactly, like, like Joanne, for example, <laughs> then the top part where you start your part. the cascade, the part in the uh, above where your forehead is, cascading downward is how the cut of the helmet is. So, the helmet so instead of going yeah. across your forehead, it peaks up and then goes down. So basically you're exposing more forehead and at a bizarre angle. And this was this guy's design for a helmet because we really need a more fashionable helmet where people look better in it. And I just, I can't possibly get more frustrated by people who want to put function before form. 
Or no, wait, form before function. Yes. Sorry. Yes. A hundred percent. Got my apps backwards yes. there. But I mean, uh, but but wait a minute. I mean, you, you can know, have both. We sh- but there is an actual structural utility as to the way helmets right. are designed that right. goes far outside of our own individual understanding right. and, and or preference. And there's a percentage that you should try to reserve that. I mean, like I love form and over function sometimes, but I draw the line, you know, at a very short point. You know, my form is like twenty percent, maybe thirty percent at most of my choice before function and that's it some people are like 80 20 sure well i don't want to look like chewbacca in my gear but (laughs) i will say that you know if i had to pick between something that looked really cute and something that was gonna save me if i went down obviously the latter is gonna be where my target is and that's different for everybody and that's totally fine but I'm going to have to draw the line at some sort of design guy putting his two cents in as to how a helmet should look. And yeah, Joanne found this because uh, a website was running older um, older links or, or whatnot. Friend and linked it for me, yeah. 2010 was when this thing won a design award, and they wanted to actually produce it on the open market and <sighs> after the last five years of not hearing anything else i think we can go ahead and say that, that somebody uh, was put in his place dot shut that down <laughs> so if you want to see a funky looking yeah. helmet that even ece i'm sure they they're like yeah, just, uh no they're like you're dummy no <laughs> yeah if i was to use like a a very modern term, just can't even. <laughs> that would oh. be where I start. Um, especially the comments that people say about helmets. And I don't know, maybe these are people interviewed from a non-helmet uh, <sighs> required state. Helmets are ugly looking. <sighs> they mess up my hair. They're hot and uncomfortable. Uh, they mismatch our outfits. And there's no helmet designed for a female. Well, considering heads aren't really female specific, then, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. The, uh, it's hard to say where you begin with the kind of comments that this guy has on his site. But if you want to check it out, check out our show notes, uh, motorific.com, M-O-T-E-R-R-I-F-I-C, and you will see lots of our links so you can check out what we're looking at if we fail to accurately describe the visual aspect of it. Now, you saw this vase helmet, correct? I think so. You have to link me that The again. rear loading one? Yes. I did see that. Yeah, that so was that weird. one I'm curious because if some smarty pants in a lab says that that one is crash test worthy, I actually like the design well, yeah. or the fact of removal for emergency personnel removal. But that's what cheek pads are for. Emergency eh, cheek pads are sure. the same thing. But uh, this helmet design actually has a hinge point right at the top and back of your head. So if you think of where men go bald first, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right at the, I don't even know if that's crown. I don't know what the actual term is for Mm -hmm. the back of your head right there, but that is where the hinge point on the helmet is. So if you can imagine an almost vertical hinge, so basically to put the helmet on instead of pulling it over your head through a hole in the bottom and then strapping. You actually put the part on your face that's open and then you kind of close the back door on this helmet to put it on. And uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that there are some 
probably decent. Um, I want to say that somehow that might impact the fit for some people who may have a difficult time getting uh, uh, helmets to fit right because you're changing the way you put it on. So mm, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. It's just an interesting thought. It is. My first thought is it probably would never pass the snail standard. So I yeah. never wear one just because I personally prefer that. Um, sure. Well, I mean, I'm not going to wear something that doesn't pass the snail standard, but um, it is I would be interested. This would be something where I would actually consider it if it did. Yeah, I mean, sure. If, I mean, maybe it, I don't know, there's just like too many things that I like to consider for my helmet. I mean, for me, my main concern would be the weight because typically the modulars, I mean, I would kind of, I would call that a modular since it flips yeah. open. They're typically a little heavier and the shells are really big because of the hinges and whatnot. And I just don't foresee anything like that for me being, um, I don't know, something I want. Are they producing it? Is it like a, is it another one of the, is it a Kickstarter? No, no Kickstarter yet. It's an Australian company. Mm. But, uh, you know, the you can get a closer fit on your helmet because you don't need an opening on the bottom big enough for your head to slide in. Mm. That might affect how much air gets in. So you might actually have a quieter helmet. Maybe. Because I think most of my air noise is when it comes up through where the opening is um, next to my chin. It can. Yep, it can be. I don't know. It just also depends on... I don't know, it depends on what helmet you're wearing and who knows. There's just so many Yeah. So no, many lots things of factors to consider. But but that for me is an interesting in a positive way as opposed to uh negative. So yeah, check out the site if you wanna what is take it a look at that. What's it Voz, called? Vozz V O Z Z. Interesting. Oh, the only no, thing no. I would be concerned about that is really just side Im any rear or side impact that yeah. wherever that, that hinge point is. not really the hinge point, just the line, the fact mm. that there's a giant line now where impact should be dispersed. I don't think mm. I'd ever be able to wear that, even if it was Snell approved, just because, you know, a, a cohesive, flat, continuous surface should be stronger than two pieces. You know, sure. two separate little pieces there, but and people want all kinds of stuff, and there's something for everybody. So, if you haven't paid attention to some of the laws that have recently passed affecting motorcyclists and motorists in general, yes, then there is something called the FAST Act, which is Fixing America's Surface Transportation Act. And there are a couple of provisions that were slid in there for motorcyclists that are worthy of mentioning. And that would be uh, continuing to fund the recreational trails program, mm. which is maintenance, improving, and expansion of off-highway recreational opportunities. Yay. And there's also a prohibition against using federal funds for discriminatory motorcycle-only checkpoints. Mm. So that should be a, a round of applause there. Um, Reestablishing a motorcyclist advisory council to coordinate and counsel with the U.S. Department of Transportation Ooh. on infrastructure concerning motorcyclists. Yeah. It's like some of the potholes, when I drive over them, by the way, some of the potholes and the cracks on the five freeway. Yeah. If, if you don't see that when you're a motorcyclist and you're either 
changing lanes in the middle of it or yeah. you somehow hit it i don't understand how you wouldn't crash like there is some sketchy sketchy spots on the five yeah. so case in point to another reason why i'm not terribly stoked about riding at night is that granted i have a, a great light setup with the twisted throttle auxiliary lights but uh, I think that there is uh, essentially some inherent danger with like the road construction that's going on and yeah. the, you know, the cracks in the freeway that they've currently got going. Anyway, um, funding of highway safety grants, including programs to reduce distracted driving and uh, let's see, privacy and security in vehicle to vehicle and vehicle to infrastructure technology. So that I think relates to the fancy way that cars are slowly getting more technology that help them determine if you're if there's something near them so like a car that gets flagged hey there's someone on your you know blind spot to the left um as well as uh no further expansion of programs to place tolls on our existing interstate highways so I don't think that they will be converting any more freeways in the Los Angeles area to turn into a toll road unless, of course, um, they develop it from scratch. Mm. So if you want to take a look at that information, go ahead and check our website as well. Mm. I think what you really want to start talking about is the um, MIC statistics. Yes, those came out <clears throat> what, last week and I... Mm -hmm. I I was actually the first one to post it, and I just forgot to share it with anybody. It's on my, it's been on my site, but you've probably seen the story already all around the internet, around Facebook and all your social feeds about new, um, basically the newest statistics have come out from the MIC, the Motorcycle Industry Council, and they're typically who we rely on to get that number when someone says, well, 25% of women are riding motorcycles. And that number always comes from the motorcycle industry council and the council's basically formed um, up by multiple many manufacturers and motorcycle manufacturers as well as i think some gear manufacturers as well but aftermarket the, yeah, correct yeah dinese and revit are both yeah but i think the majority is bike manufacturers so all the big names right. are in there triumph kawasaki you know etc honda bmw everybody you can think of is pretty much in there yeah and, Almost um, mm -hmm. some media, but primarily manufacturers. And yeah. it's a consortium that you pay into. So that is precisely why some manufacturers do not belong to the MIC. For example, Harley-Davidson yeah. um, are not members. And uh, basically, the MIC is a, a not only a group that has plenty of access to really great individuals from the motorcycle industry. So their board is comprised of people who have had like 50 years of, you know, up to 50 years of experience in the industry. Lots of yep. who's who in, in motorcycle industry uh, names are on the board. Yep. So you have a lot of great experience and then you've got a lot of voting members and input and committees and their data mining ability mm -hmm. as a collective group is pretty amazing, which is why on an annual basis you see statistics released and those statistics, if you're an MIC member, are completely available to you. Now, they release the female rider data to the public, mm -hmm. but for further statistics, um, you will not see that released amongst media because most media do not 
subscribe to the MIC's annual um, no annual fees, but their data is available at a cost unless you are a uh, voting or not voting member. So, so at any see. point, tell us the good news, Joanne. All right. So, oh, my website's so slow. So basically they've released new numbers that show the percentage of female owners, motorcycle owners, not just women on motorcycles, which is what that 25% number really incorporates or shows is the combination of women who are just on a bike and then own a bike. Because we all know not every woman who rides a motorcycle owns the motorcycle and is mm -hmm. the operator of that bike. Many, many casual riders. So now this statistic tells us that it's the highest number uh, recorded of women owners. So me and Christy are certainly in that number. But more women are buying them for themselves and purchasing motorcycles so they can drive them, not mm -hmm. just to sit on the back and be a casual participant, but to actually own a bike. And so that number went up from, I believe, 8%. I think the last time mm -hmm. they surveyed this, Correct. it was 8% in 2000, no, 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 1998. So it's been like, it's been a while since they've updated that number. So now we're um, up to closer to 14%. So eight to 14, that's a pretty big jump. We can say that's almost a, you know, twice. Well, and that's, and that's 14% of 9.2 million, which is mm -hmm. about 1.3 million. So yeah. 1.3 million motorcycles in the U.S. are owned by women. Owned by women. And that's huge. And I wonder, I would love to know what that number's like in other country, like in Europe. Like, what is that percentage, you know, what is that proportion? I wonder if their proportion is anywhere near, um, 14%. And I, I'm going to gamble. No, I'd have to guess that, especially in Italy, I'd say that number's more like five. I bet their number's much lower given their, I mean, just given kind yeah, of their attitudes about. Based on how many people own motorcycles in the U.S., according to this survey, it's 9.2 million. That's like the population of Los Angeles. Like True. <laughs> the amount of motorcyclists across the United States and I think including Alaska and Hawaii yep. is 9.2 million which is like a blip on the radar when you compare it to the full population statistics for the U.S. So true. I think over there the percentage of ownership of motorcycles versus population is probably much higher. Probably. So like probably. Italy's 5% is probably 20 times you know our figure. True. Although I'm, I base that purely on, you know, non data. Sure, I know. This is like non-sensical data. No real factual yeah. basis here. This is just all my ruminating facts, based, on, based on how they, you know, market their motorcycle gear, um, yeah. which is just very thoughtless, I think, in, in many senses. So I, I'm just purely based abroad on Abroad or the on, U.S.? Abroad. Okay. Well, here too. I mean, here too. But, but I don't know. Here, um, you know, the... The trends, I think, are very different for uh, marketing that to women. I mean, they're not the best. We all know there's a lot of work to be done there, but it's definitely very, very different. Um, the so other... I think it's also interesting to note that, well, I don't know how they got the stat of 30 million Americans rode a motorcycle at least once in 2014, hmm. but there are 9.2 million owners. So a third of the people who tried motorcycling in 2014 actually own a motorcycle. 
Yeah, because there's a lot of people who will rent one, I guess, and or they'll borrow. Like people who just don't have their own, but they borrow bikes to ride. You need now to have a, a license credential, though. Sure. So sure. I mean, lots of interesting. People... What you know, and and we'll sit here and we'll ask all these questions, and some of them may actually have legit answers in the data. But as we discussed, uh, data comes at a cost because it is used to cater to the industry and design different marketing uh, strategies. So Oops, that's sorry. why everything comes at a, at a small price tag um, for this data, because this kind of research takes money. So of course it'll cost money. Yep. So people like Joanne and I, well, we might be able to squeeze some statistics out, but uh, uh, not very much. So a lot of questions that we have uh, will probably go unanswered, but it would be great to know what the other 20 million people were doing after they got off the motorcycle. Did they hate it? Did they just test ride and try? Like, maybe. Where does those numbers come from? Yeah, maybe. It's probably a combination of all of it. Maybe people who, yeah, test rode and decided not to. People who can't afford to buy a bike right now, so they borrow a friend's or they've, they had one and then they got rid of it for some reason and they just can't afford or their situation just doesn't sure. allow to have another bike. So there's I'd like to know a lot of how many motorcycle credentialed riders are in the U.S. as well. Yeah, I bet, I bet a lot. I mean, although I think a lot of people drive without insurance and proper licensing and yeah. you know more than we we want uh, the other bit of information that came out from the survey is the type of bikes so cruisers still dominate at 34 percent um, scooters also dominate at 33 percent so the majority of people of, of women riding are riding scooters and cruisers and it makes sense they're certainly and they're both easier choices to make they're mm -hmm. easier um they appear to be easier to ride for in some cases. Uh, sometimes the barriers to entry are a little bit lower. Scooters are certainly more affordable in many cases because of the fuel economy is, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes you get 80 to 100 miles to gallon, per gallon for scooters, most scooters. Um, they're or automatic. even 100. Or even 100. Like I used to get, I used to get about 100 miles on my, um, my little 1.8 gallon yeah, and scooter. you know, as as we've said, and you can quote this, scooters are the gateway drug to motorcycling. <laughs> so if yes. that number rose up to fifty yeah. percent, I would be stoked because yep. not everybody would stay at a scooter the entire time. Right. There would be someone, you know, some percentage of that group that yep. thought, I wonder if there's something more fun after scooters. I wonder what life is like there after scooters. Is there is. Um, so the light bulb goes on cruisers and scooters are, you know, each take a third and then sport bikes are at a lowly 10%. So wait a minute, those numbers, if you had 34, 33 and 10, we're at 77. Where's the other, what about the other third? <laughs> what are they riding? Yeah, so that's gotta be, that's gonna be, um, off-road. Off-road yeah. entirely. Like Adventure. maybe not even street. Right. It's gotta be Dual sport. Yep. Supermoto. Street. Um, uh, streets yeah. in at sport bikes. So uh, it, it's not really lifestyle, but bike category. So I think the leftover 30-ish uh, percent is the various adventure bikes, the various dual sport enduro bikes, various supermoto style bikes, customs. I'm sure mm -hmm. customs fall into that because I bet you a bobber, 
they're, they're probably not counting that in a cruiser. So there's probably like all kinds of custom Vin things, cafe. Vintage Hondas. Yeah, yeah, vintage. <laughs> I bet vintage is in that. So, but generally speaking, it looks like cruisers, scooters, sport bikes. Those are the kind of the bike of choice. Um, now there's way more sport bikes to choose from. So I'm hoping in the next 10 years, there'll be another jump given how many small displacement bikes there are to choose from now beyond uh, Rebel 250 and Ninja 250. So yeah. I bet that number is going to change dramatically too. Now that BMW is also entering right. the low displacement game. And I wonder so, I wonder how they categorize bikes like that BMW, that G, what is it, G310? G3? Yeah, something like that. I wonder if they categorize that as a sport bike or one, maybe they're ignoring standards like that altogether, or nakeds. You know, I wonder if that number is clumped differently as yeah, well. Yeah, hard to say. Um, so well, in, that, in addition to that, yeah. um, there's also the the reasons, top three reasons for riding motorcycles as polled from some 48,000 American households. Yep. Fun and recreation was the first answer or most popular answer, followed by sense of freedom and enjoying the outdoors and nature. And then also, so, hey, if we get your foot in the door through fun and recreation, awesome. You should also try commuting. That is also awesome as well, because then you have fun and recreation that translates over to your workday. Yeah, true. Very true. Um, I'd say there's like definitely a fine line, though, of commuting where it turns into sure kind of pain a hassle versus yeah. enjoyment. If, if you're only a commuter, I highly recommend just get out off the freeway. And try to spend, just give yourself an afternoon someday of not being on the highway or the interstate and do some back road riding and you will be thoroughly excited as to the possibilities beyond the interstate or your toll roads. The roads, it's just so much more fun and there's so much more to see and do and certainly more to broaden your skill level. Because really, when you're on the interstate every day, you are not practicing any of your cornering really much or improving really your cornering and I think cornering and skill development in that sense. And that's where a little twisty road riding can, can help in that too and increase your self-confidence and just get out and do something totally different. But you're um, definitely testing your emergency maneuvers. Sure. <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, I, I'd say you test them in, in both ways, but it's it's just another world aspect of riding that I think many people who only commute, they're, you're missing out on. There's just so yeah. much more, you know. Um, the other part of the study that they also talked about was training and safety. So, oh, surprise, women are far more safety conscious than men when it comes to motorcycling. Well, um, and I'm wondering how they determine that by taking, say, the MSF course yeah. is a safety conscious maneuver. Because for me, I recommend taking MSF if you are thinking about riding a motorcycle, right. but don't want to fully uh, be financially invested. Right. Go out, get a bike and gear and helmet and then find out you hate it. So. Sure. For me, it's I do too. for me recommending it to people. It's not necessarily a safety thing. So I, I want to, I mean, I would say like safety conscious and more training would be after the initial learning phase, you know, finding out how many well, people take additional uh, advanced courses and, and whatnot. So I'm not entirely going to believe the 60%, you know, are looking for safety by taking the course, but definitely 
you know, MSF, if you know anybody who's looking or considering riding, but don't want to learn from their significant other or someone who they kind of have a, right. I mean, I, I had told people and, and someone has approached me as well. Like, Hey, can you give me some pointers on motorcycling while your boyfriend rides? Well, no, I don't want them to teach me, (laughs) which I totally understand. Um, right. And I think that's where the training aspect comes in. Um, exactly. Just seeing the value in formal training. And I, but you know, the motorcycle safety course, it says it's a motorcycle safety course. And I think when people sign up for it, they know exactly what they're getting into. This is a safety class. There's no, you know, beating around the bush about it. So I, I think that more people, I think that, you know, the majority of or most women who sign up for it, they know that it's a safety course and that may not have been their motivating factor, but yeah. I do think that mo- more women are safety conscious in general. <clears throat> Excuse me, oh, when it comes to I running. I wouldn't dispute that. You can, I mean, it, I don't know if all women are this way, but it certainly describes me as far as like purchasing a motorcycle, women rate, fuel economy, and test rides as the most important decision-making factors. Granted, True. things are a little bit different for me now that I've ridden for, for so long, but yep. um, yeah, I mean, fuel economy, it's not really something that I'm looking for when I pick a motorcycle as much as when I'm buying a car because I spend way more miles in four wheels than I do in two. But I, you know, it's the analytical sense that I think women are more driven by purchase wise, like, well, how safe is this? Or, well, how many, you know, is this financially responsible? These are the kinds of things that, that I personally like recognize in myself. Right. So it doesn't surprise me that I see something like this. As a as a as a statistic, true. And also, we don't have access to the whole report. Like it's some true. crazy yeah. in depth survey with far more information for twelve thousand five hundred dollars, which can be purchased by non members from the MIC. So if you're not a member and you want that report, it's going to cost you. But it, it'll probably have a lot more information in there as well. Maybe more regional information. Maybe it'll break it up by like state. Maybe you'll get some California info, you know, or whatever. Yeah, um, the median the, age for female motorcyclists I thought was kind of interesting. Well, I think it's always been. I, I mean, I don't know where I remember that number, but I, I've always remembered that that the average age of women riding is about forty. Like yeah, it's just old an older number. Where I don't know why, but um, more than forty nine percent of women also do their own maintenance or have a friend or someone they know work on it versus going to a dealer. I think a lot of that probably well doing your own maintenance. Yeah. That's I mean, I think that's just awesome. wanting to learn. Like, I want to figure sure. out how to do this myself or... Cost-effective as well. Yeah, it's cheaper if I can do it myself or if I can have someone teach me how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, especially basic things like change your oil, adjust your chain, you know, really basic maintenance um, instead of taking their bikes to a shop. And that, I bet you a lot of that also has to do with the way that maybe some people are treated when they go to a shop, um, sure. especially women. Like certainly, I've had that experience at car for getting I saw my stuff on my car worked on. A lot of comments related to stuff like that, because uh, MIC has this press release where they've mm-hmm. cherry picked the women's data, and mm-hmm. when you go to our show notes, you will see the MIC link. However, other news outlets have used this data and come up with their own article version. So. When you take a look at other outlets, you will see lots of interesting feedback in the comments section from people on women writing. And however, the article itself skews this data. So, for example, 
Asphalt and Rubber reported these statistics. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the comments section. Oh, let's now, go see. Granted, he, <laughs> see what Jensen's up to. he posted a picture of Marissa Miller, who is the, a Victoria's Secrets model. Uh -huh. And she is naked and draped over Harley. Mm -hmm. And he didn't post that to aggravate women. He posted that because this is something that is, you could say, conventionally acceptable in the motorcycle industry as marketing. Mm hmm and the amount of people who just railed that image choice in the comments he was like... You couldn't see that coming. Come on. He's a I think smart he did man. See that coming. He did see that coming. He's taking and if care. You, if He's you like, read whatever. through, he was, trying to, he was trying to get people to talk about that. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. I'm not necessarily saying it's clickbait either because that wasn't the point. But um, in the comments section... He does make a couple of great points. If you don't already follow Asphalt and Rubber, then you probably don't know. Yes, right. Jensen's opinion or who he is. He's You're very right. much so supportive of women and yeah. motorcycling this and is not... very much so against the concept of their marketing and umbrella yeah. girls and all the things that are um, defamatory to women. Yeah. However, if they've never read his site, they don't know this. And so nope. a lot of women were slamming the image choice in the comments but you'll see a couple of responses in there that as far as from jensen um yeah i think he should have had it in the article because i don't know if women after they're angry are going right. to get down into the comment section to see what his opinion is but nonetheless um that was interesting also a lot of people were knocking the model and <laughs> saying how you know very stuff i can't even say <laughs> on this podcast uh, or at least i'm not comfortable in saying and you know that that's just as aggravating oh well you know it's it's insulting to women for you to have this uh you know this isn't a direct quote but like you know some dumb chick on a motorcycle probably doesn't even know how to ride it well at the same time you're trying to um argue against some sort of inflammatory picture you're also insulting the woman that is there to do a job which is to model and marissa miller actually rides a motorcycle mm -hmm. so before people got like way too wrapped up into knocking the model in the right. picture they should probably know who it is and she's yep. a victoria's secrets model she's done some stuff for harley before i think she's done like a burnout on jay leno's show hmm. on her stage hmm. she knows what she's doing she also surfs um you know don't get too crazy about insulting the people who are actually there to do a job. Look back one step to the people who are cutting the paycheck for that. Um, so, you know, umbrella girls don't hate the player, hate the game. They're, yeah. they're there to do a service. Um, I, I did kind of go off and write something. I'm not sure if I'm going to post it, but nonetheless, <laughs> all of that stuff together as a whole, um, both the stats and gear and women like got me fired up yesterday and I went on a completely different tangent than mm -hmm. where my mind should have been. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if I could potentially make that article a little more solid, I'll, I'll probably release it. But at any rate, a couple other little bits of data that came out was that, um, so again, the median, median age for female motorcyclists is 39. Now median, not average. So that means the middle so if you take the entire survey of women who 
uh, ride or own motorcycles, that middle number is 39. I mean, it doesn't mean that there's not a ton of... I see so many young 20-somethings riding now more. Well, and they did have that statistic, which is Where did that... that go? Um, where was that. the 17% in there? Is the 20-something millennial? Yeah, the they're millennial. talking about the Gen X, Gen Y. Got it. There we go. Um, among younger generations of owners, the percentage of women is even higher. So slightly uh-huh. more than 17% of Gen X owners, which is us, and 17.6% of Gen Y, which is like age 15 to 35. Millennially. Yeah. Cool. So that's even better. Um, new bikes are preferred over used by 57% of women. Um, <clears throat> that's not me, but... Um, totally not me either, but that's totally fine. Hey, 57, that's kind of in, almost split down the middle. I can see why, though, you'd want, if you're new to riding, because I bought a new bike, too. When we were new, our first brand new, our first bike uh, motorcycle was a brand new Ninja 250. It was way oh. back when you could get them for, like, $3,000 out the door, not four forty five hundred. It was way cheaper to do that. Um, We got financed. It was, we got a good deal. Nobody tried to swindle us with 30% interest rates. You know, it was Mm -hmm. a very good deal, a great dealer. And and that bike is so easy to maintain. It had great resale value as well. I totally see the value of a brand new bike. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's always that argument. Well, I just buy a beater. And well, yeah, you could buy a beater, but some people want a new motorcycle. And those people are ready to accept the responsibility to fix it if they need to or repair it or do whatever to take care of it if something happens to it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, So it also uh, gave us a little information that half, basically half, 49% of uh, women motorcyclists are married and 47% have a degree or a little, maybe in the higher education, but I don't know if that's owners or just motorcyclists. Hmm. I think just, I think it would probably be owners. It doesn't say, I mean, I copied this straight from the MIC. So I'm going to guess that it's really just motorcyclists in general, females, half of them married. Almost yeah. half have a degree. Which, not surprising. I mean, yeah, it's a, for it's every not a person I know that drives, they're married, and then there's one that's not. Or, you know, yeah. half half, half well, isn't really surprising. It's no. when you start going one direction or the other. Yeah, you know, and I'm not surprised about the number only because it's... One extreme. Motorcycling is expensive. Like, it just, it's not a cheap hobby. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, in many cases, your gear costs more than your bike. And mm-hmm. it's just the investment is, it's kind of high. I mean, you can buy a beater and save money. You know, you can buy like a, like a $1,200 little used Honda or Yamaha or, you know, a classic online or whatever and save money on the bike, but you will spend probably more money on your helmet, your jacket, yeah. you know, your but gear. But the good news about gear is that it doesn't require annual maintenance. No, it doesn't. But the investment's still be higher. So I think when you're married or when you have a, a degree, you probably have a little more disposable income. So that that makes sense. But basically, the good news is more of us are riding motorcycles. And when I posted my version of this article, I I shared a photo of me and my girls, my Philly Moodle girls, riding to breakfast. So check that Aww. out. Yes, actual women riding motorcycles. So we're out riding. We're, we're meeting up at the gas station to uh, go get breakfast. Um so, yep, that's that's the good news. Um, Do you ever have any very sexist experiences when you went to go shop or buy something? Where? Uh, motorcycling related. Oh, no. Cause Buying I don't a motorcycle. Ever, I don't, ever, don't really. Yeah, I mean, I don't really go to dealers. So I've only had 
I've only done private party to buy my bikes. You know, uh, Jerry was the guy I bought my SV from. He was a sweetheart. It was so sweet. He had a little cat. He was just a nice guy, really <laughs> nice guy, very nice guy. And he was very honest. He was great. And then the second person I bought my bike from was a couple. They had three, four kids. And he wow. also was just a really sweet, really nice guy, very good family man, gave me mm -hmm. a great deal on my bike. Oh, yeah. And his wife was awesome. They were just really great people. I forgot to tell And Joanne him still visits that, them all for Thanksgiving. Uh, I went, no, I forgot to tell him actually <laughs> that I totaled it. I was going to tell him like, eh, why tell, why, why, why tell him He's such bad news? Because um, they, they wanted, he wanted to upgrade to something like a Thruxton or a Bonneville. Um, but no, I haven't, I mean, I don't really go shopping. Like I don't go to some of the places I think where that would happen. Um, our Triumph dealer is wonderful. There, I know the sales manager, he's great. Hello, Vince. I don't know if you listen, but maybe I hope you'll start. Hmm. Um, he's really nice. He's always been really helpful when I email him with questions. He's actually thrilled to answer questions I have. Um, he's great. And then, I'm, yeah, I've never had any issues there. Um, and then the other place I went to once was the, cow, the official Suzuki dealer. When I had my SV, I needed to buy an air filter really quick. I just didn't have time to order one with us. I wanted it that day. So it was like a Sunday too, because um, they're actually open on Sundays. Excuse me. <clears throat> and um, they were nice. They were great. Um, it was a very short experience. Um, no, I haven't really. I mean, I would say I probably have more of those experiences when I talk to my regular customers in the <laughs> store, because many of them don't think I ride. I think that many people assume that, you know, we're salespeople and we don't actually ride. And it's always a surprise when I tell people that I do. And then I'd say nine times out of 10, they're surprised and they're always surprised at my answer. They expect huh. Ninja 500 or Ninja 250 or Ninja 300. You know, nope, street triple. And um, I think a lot of them are also surprised by my experience level because I always get the question, how tall are you? I'm five two. Actually, I just got remeasured. I'm like five two and a half. I've lost. Ooh. Yeah, I've lost like a half inch. What happened? Oh, what were you five three? I was. I was like oh. just a hair under five three, and I've dropped down. So, <clears throat> um, people always ask me that question. Like, well, what do you ride? I go, well, I ride a street triple. You know, and then they ask if it's lowered. I go, nope. You know, and and I think people are always surprised by that. And the one one thing that always gets me is when a lot of times I need to ask you, what do you ride? Cause I need to figure out like, what's going to fit you the best if you're an yeah. R6 versus are you on a, on a 690 Duke? You know, those are very different. They can be very different jackets. So I'm always asking, well, what do you ride? And I get vague answers like a sport bike. Yeah. I go, Oh, what kind? Oh, it's, it's a touring. It's very comfortable. I go, well, what model are do these you ride? people who don't think you ride a motorcycle? I absolutely giving you these answers. It's gotta okay. be, it has to be. Okay. I mean, it's usually men, women never say oh, okay. that women always go, Oh, I ride a Ninja 650 or whatever. They're always a little, definitely more willing to share what they ride. So is your like response? Oh, well, I ride a Triumph street triple. What's more fun do you ride? Yeah, and then have them give you the answer. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I understand where you're going with that, which is yep. 
your riding position is very upright versus leaned over and you need a jacket that can cover a little more of you when you lean over. Right. I need to understand your riding posture because some jackets you cannot ride in. You can't ride Mm -hmm. on R6 in certain jackets. And so, um, I'll, yeah, they'll, well, they'll, it's something sporty and they'll tell me, oh, it's an FC7. I go, oh, I rode one of those. I mean, I've typically, (laughs) I've typically thrown a leg over almost everything that people are riding these days in terms of just traditional, you know, popular models, Ninja 650, FC8, FC9, you know, R1, R6. There's a few that I certainly haven't, you know, definitely there's a lot I haven't, but most of the common bikes I have. So that's always a surprise, excuse me, Um, you know, or, or that I've actually ridden some of the bikes. They've ridden like a DRZ 400 SM, which is the tallest thing I've ever ridden. And that was the most difficult thing I've ever ridden. So that, that there's always that surprise because you just don't expect women in a motorcycle shop to be riding them. I think most of the time, not all the time, but I um, think my experience was more like, I didn't, I felt that they weren't expecting a woman to be in a motorcycle shop that was actually going to ride a motorcycle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) On the consumer end, not on the, uh, not on the working end, but yeah. uh, Yeah. And I know Joanne has heard this story before and I don't know if I've really probably discussed it on the podcast, but for those of you who haven't been with us from day one, um, when I went to shop for a bike, and specifically the F650 GS, the mm-hmm. twin BMW uh, that I currently ride, I looked at shops before I started looking privately mm-hmm. because that particular sure. motorcycle at the time I was buying it, I could not find a lot of used options, which to me is kind of a good sign. Like someone's enjoying it a little too much to sell it. So there weren't a lot of used uh, F-twins on the market. So I did look at a couple and the dealership that's closest to my office, I walked in there and I had at the time my boyfriend who was uh, 6'5", maybe close to 300 and I'm 5'10", more like 130 and we walk in there and the sales rep walks immediately to the boyfriend and starts talking to him and the boyfriend points the finger very slowly (laughs) at me uh, with the gesture like, you've totally fucked this up already. You might want to start kissing her ass. (laughs) And the guy kind of puts his head down and then looks over at me. (laughs) Did he apologize? I'm Um, sorry. My mistake. No, no. I mean, and he's retired now, but uh, I did give him a lot of crap. That is my local dealership. I do go to them for all kinds of... he, should of, le- he learned his lesson, hopefully. Yes, he did. I think the entire office has heard that story at least several times. And hopefully one. they have learned from it. I hope that no one else in that office is doing the sales tactic where they look at one particular person or another. Because if you also look directly at the woman when they walk in, you might be insulting the man. So how about you just greet both of them? Hey, yeah. guys, how's Hi. it going? Right. Hello. How like, are both of you? Who's the lucky one buying the motorcycle today? You yes. know? Just something ambiguous, but but at yes. any point, I always assume both when I, yeah. when a man and woman come in. I always assume they both are shopping, just because yeah. I don't I mean, know. It's not difficult. Um, yeah, I don't know who's shopping. Who knows? So after he tried to save face a little bit there, um, I just thought it was humorous to note that while I'm sitting on motorcycles and testing out fitment, 
I hand my purse over to my boyfriend. So, you know, a dude that's standing there that's 6'5", holding onto my purse while I'm getting on and off bikes after a guy has looked at him to see if he's the one that's riding here always is kind of a funny picture that I like to paint. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would love to say from a marketing and sales perspective that, you know, let's try not to isolate one group or another, whether it be, like, gender or race or height and just you know market the joy of riding or not say that hey there's these women specific bikes or even how about these bikes that are more female friendly because the reality of it is is they're not female friendly they weren't designed to be female friendly and you're going to be insulting men who might have a shorter inseam right they're shorter you know like people with a smaller inseam friendly motorcycle yeah that's that's basically what it is at the end of the day it has a lower seat height so it's a more you know it's a friendlier bike potentially to start out on if it's a smaller engine size i mean and you end up trying to highlight one group or cater to one group you end up isolating another yep so yeah i would love to see just more people men and women different backgrounds ages whatnot being included in in marketing in general instead of trying to target one particular group or another right the bikes don't have to be female specific but or female purposed um but you want to be not that you want to be female friendly specific but you just want to be friendly just everybody friendly and just service friendly um that's how you sell things to women you are you treat us equally to any male counterpart um you know you just look at us as the same customer what's attractive as a service option well inexpensive that that everybody will love yeah <laughs> whether you're young or old male or female cost effective you know, yep. exactly yep. chase cost effective don't chase you know women specifically if you want to offer a class like you know new riders changing oil this is the package deal so in other words a lot of I find a lot of dealers are reluctant to have a class where they talk about doing an oil change well, the bottom line is that some people who have don't have a lot of time but have plenty of disposable income are going to bring the motorcycle to you anyway because they don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't care. They don't have to care. They have plenty of money. They can bring the bike in. It's no big deal. Yep. Yep. But for the rest of the population, which clearly, at least as far as women, is 50%, yep. you need to have a different approach because no matter whether you teach me how to change my oil or I find it out somewhere else, I'm going to do it. Because I don't want to spend that kind of money having someone else do a task that, granted, the skid plate I always whine about, but I can do it on my own <laughs> and, and save between 50 to $200, depending on who does your oil change and, and yeah. how much detail they put into, quote-unquote, skimming through the actual oil that comes in the pan. So why not just teach people how to or, or offer a class or something on how to change their oil at the dealership level? And then offer a package. Okay, so, hey, Christy, it's about time you come, you know, it's a, it, it should be about time that you'd put, like, you know, six months or X number, you know, 5,000 miles on mm-hmm. the GS. Yep. Um, we're, we're offering this package deal where you get four quarts of oil and a filter, you know, 10 or 15% off of, of retail. So that, to me, is a way to get a little bit more out of your, like, you know, 
marketing and and not necessarily motorcycle sales but mm-hmm. you know parts and whatnot but hey you know what do i know i'm just a i'm just a lowly geologist that occasionally writes for publications with a very a good podcast. idea by the way someone <laughs> steal that podcast. you should someone <laughs> steal it and tell us how successful it is because yes yeah, those are the please kinds of do yeah but uh yeah, so I guess the good news is, you know, more of us are owning and, and riding, and that number, I think, just goes up every year. Every year, there's more women riding, more women buying. Um, you just can't, certainly can't deny that. And uh, it's always, I think it's a good thing when more people participate. Um, and also, maybe with the, you know, with these new, that new law, or that new bill that was passed, um, with you know, improvements to infrastructure, roads, access to roads, that sort of thing that can only increase access, I think, for for uh, uh, women who want to ride or kids and families or whoever, whoever wants to ride more. Yeah, I'm just waiting for that carpool lane to be done on the five. Oh, oh it's going to be heavenly. I would love to see how that there changes my commute. Isn't on one now? I'm surprised there isn't one no. now. Wow. No, because the five is only three lanes in one direction. Oh. It's been that way for a long time. So oh. in between where I live and where I work, which is basically Dodger Stadium to Disneyland, oh. um, the the maximum amount of lanes that you could potentially run into at any given time is four in one direction, and it's mostly three. Yeah. So with all the different construction that they've been doing the past couple of years, it's kind of made it curvy and wavy and weaving so you drop your speed and of course people texting um and having that extra curvature and changing conditions on the five has made my commute in the morning somewhat uh taxing and uh, i i might add during the holiday season it gets worse so that's another thing if you're listening in and you're riding your motorcycle especially during the holidays be very careful. Um, I'm not saying that you need to be any more careful than you already are because we know, because you listen to this podcast, that you operate at 110% when you're on your motorcycle. But just um, definitely take into mind the fact that there are angry motorists who have a whole bunch of deadlines in their personal life, going to get a turkey, going to get a... Mm-hmm. You know, trimmings, decorate the tree, put the lights up, I forgot gifts, the in-laws are coming, man, I hate this time of year. All these people have this added stress, and they're in a hurry. And it's more so this time of year and during the holidays than any other time. And Mm -hmm. I can assure you that I have ridden on, what, the 24th, which I guess I'm going to do again because I'm going to Mexico, and I can tell you it is the worst time to be on a motorcycle because you can't possibly, at least in a metropolitan area like Los Angeles, see more angry people on the road who mm. could care less about any other person other than the person that's inside that car. So just know that you need to operate on a slightly higher um, you know, survey threshold to know your surroundings, to be completely aware of what's going around you because people are way more distracted than they've ever been. And especially during the holidays. Yep. No, for sure. We can't sacrifice any of our five listeners. So you guys all need to be extra aware. So you can come back and listen to episode 78. Oh, probably more than five, maybe like 10. Um, (laughs) A while back, I think like two weeks or a week or two ago, I, I tweeted a thank you to a listener who came in to look at helmets 
Um, he didn't, he wasn't able to buy anything, but I think he was just size, size and fit shopping for a helmet. So when he needed to, to buy one in the spring, he will be ready to, to get the helmet that he wants. But, um, that's always fun. If you come in and you're a listener, please say hi. Cause I, I definitely want to want to know that and say hello. So it's, I'm never bothered if you want to say hello, it's totally, it's great. We'll take a picture and everything. Just, you know, yeah, like, so we can have proof that there's one more <laughs> listener out there. Right. It just gives us more ammunition that there's 11 of you out there. Exactly. Um, downloading thousands of times a day. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> We'd certainly appreciate that. Uh, what else do we have? Do we have any other stories? Did I miss anything else? Let's see. Oh, I, um, I actually wanted to give a little review of a bag that I borrowed briefly. Uh, a few weeks ago, and it's a it was a bag that um, was kickstarted, I believe, last year, ah. uh, on Kickstarter, and it's uh, from a company called Moto Chic Gear. <laughs> Very interesting name, and um, they sent me their Lauren bag, and basically this this product line is it's supposed to be fashion forward, um, you know, designer, cute, very definitely a stylish uh, alternative to a motorcycle bag specifically for women it's certainly you know it's it's not vague at all it's it's a bag that was designed for women who ride motorcycles so it's it's a combination kind of backpack tote bag i guess you could call it a purse it's pretty big though it's not just like a little tiny you know shoulder bag it's it's a backpack size to fit a small laptop so it's definitely, um, I would call it more of a backpack and it has, um, convertible straps. So you can use it as a tote bag or you can tuck the straps in and then use the backpack straps instead and then ride with it. Um, it certainly has a very different look to it than any other bags, uh, motorcycle specific bags or scooter, certainly your scooter or your moped, you know, any really two wheel bicycle, heck you bicycle to work you might like this bag as well so it's supposed to be a little bit more friendly when you're on two wheels um, again definitely has more of a of a fashion focus to it and aesthetically when you look at it it doesn't look like um, something that's I guess you could say motorcycle gear so to speak uh, it's a really cute little bag because it's it's convertible um, I was able to fit my 13 inch MacBook Pro in there it, without a case on it, just slide it in there. And it has all these little pockets inside. It has a ton of little um, compartments. So, you know, little pen holders and your wallet and your phone and any other accessories. Um, so you can, again, use it as a bag, like as a kind of as really as a large purse. Which bag did you have? The, the Lauren. Okay. And it comes in two colors. Um, three actually several of oh, three colors black white and red oh wait also and uh comes with a little rain cover that's hiding in there it's like a tiny little hideaway rain cover as well so it's not waterproof but the cover gives you the waterproof option and then it also has it comes with little straps at the waist so if you have a heavier load you can wear the waist strap to lighten the load a little bit they're removable I, i'm pretty sure they're removable so if you don't need them you could just take them off and tuck them in 
and it has a cute little motorcycle design on the inside so it has a little uh, pattern with little bikes inside little cruisers I believe um, so a lot of little compartments and organ organizing um, little spaces inside the bag which I think a lot of us can appreciate because you know you women care we carry a lot of stuff you know we carry pens and keys and books and wallets and makeup and all kinds of things we want to bring to work that day so this is a good option if you want to commute um, I'll be really honest here I, I personally wouldn't spend the money on a bag like this because it's three hundred and twenty five dollars it's a pretty expensive investment. It certainly does offer you a lot if you're looking for that more. I want something that's really cute and really stylish. It also has reflective panels on the outside of it. You can't tell, but when you look at the photo of it, um, the gray section, like if you're oh, looking yeah, yeah. at the, the black one, um, it is ref they're reflective. So there's actually some visibility, which is really nice because that's something I think is missing on a lot of backpacks and a lot of riding bags, not enough reflectivity and visibility. So that's nice to have the safety element in there. Um, but functionally for me, it's not enough because I prefer a bag that's more rugged and is more focused on um, really fit and function than form like my gear so i feel like this bag is a lot um it, it really falls in line with something like a roland sands um jacket that kind of thing where it's really stylish it gives you some options it does have a lot of a, it does have a decent amount of functionality to it but for me i need a bag that rests a little bit better when i have a heavy 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 load and mm -hmm. because i already have kriega backpacks i have two of them it's really difficult for me to recommend this over that I, I can't however if you don't have a bag and you need one that you want to be a little of everything um, on your bike and off the bike then you may want to make the investment in this because it does eliminate the need for a laptop bag you know and a tote bag so if you're looking for that and that's the lifestyle that you are trying to fill in terms of a bag then you'll probably love it just for me, I'm not that kind of person. So I prefer a rugged bag. Um, the Kriegas take a heavy load exceptionally well. Um, the, their, their strapping is just more comfortable for me and I can load it up. This bag, I, I didn't feel, it just didn't feel as comfortable on my shoulders and my back when I maxed it out. Cause I put a lot of stuff in my bags. I put shoes and I have my laptop sometimes and I've got food, sometimes a change of clothes. So I, I push my bags all the way out full, like max capacity. <laughs> so I wouldn't really recommend it for that. If you're looking for like a heavy duty backpack, I'd say this is a little bit lighter on that, but certainly offers all these other features that might be great for you. So um, you can check it out at motochicgear.com. And I think, and I note that on the actual link, which we have put in our show notes, 15% off all bag orders. So someone that realized that the price point might be a little high. And yeah. so they're offering 15% off. Yep. And it's so free if shipping. that, yeah. Yeah. So if that, uh, mm -hmm. if that makes things a little bit better for you, that 15% off the 325, mm -hmm. then there you have it. Yep. And you could, it'd be a good gift. <laughs> I think you probably still get, get this in time for Christmas. Um, there's nine reviews on the site and they all really love them. 
So there's, it's certainly a popular bag with the people that have them. And the Kickstarter was funded by people who thought the bag was great. So definitely a lot of people, a lot of uh, fans of the bag out there for sure. And they're in a couple stores in the Bay Area. I, they're not, I think they're working on trying to get this bag into dealerships and motorcycle shops and websites. So you'll probably see more of it later at that point. Um, they also have this tiny little like clutch thing that's like a convertible. It's a clutch and then it has a strap. So, you know, if you go to Macy's or whatever, there's a ton of bags that go from clutch to purse and they have something like that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like the, you know, I, I spent about a week or two with it and, um, you know, it worked it worked enough for certainly what I was doing with it. I just, for me, wasn't the most comfortable and it wasn't um, what I personally like to use um, because I did get an R20 for my birthday. So I, <laughs> I unfortunately love that bag a little bit more for what I'm doing, but I certainly yeah. recommend looking into it if you want something, you know, really cool and cute. And they also are starting to make base layers. Yes, I saw that. I haven't had time to check that out. So women-specific base layers for motorcycling, there really isn't a lot of options out there. I mean, yeah. a couple companies make them. Climb, Revit, Dainese make them. Um, and then the, um, who is it? Melissa's, what's the, Fable. Fable, they came out with a base layer. The motorcycle-specific base layers are definitely different because they're contoured differently. So definitely check that out. Seams as well. Yeah, the seaming's different. The shapes are a little different, just all to accommodate riding positions. So, yeah, definitely check that out um, if you have a chance. Definitely on the higher-end side. Uh, to me, it looks like a high-end bicycle kind of a... If you think about high-end bicycling women's base layers and shirts those are pretty expensive like pearl izumi they're a, mm -hmm. a high-end brand in the bicycling line and i think that's what they're trying to compete with yeah um different i actually use my bicycle uh, a lot of my bicycle layers interchangeably with motorcycling yep there you go so that's the other thing it looks like they're offering on their site so that's my only, right now, my only gear update. I still have a couple things to work on. Yeah, I've got a backlog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're both overdue. So let's see. What does our calendar look like? We will hopefully be back with you in, in the two new year. weeks. Yep, right after the new year. Because I leave the weekend after that. Um, I leave the 15th. So we'll definitely have a, we'll try to get to you in the 1st of January. So then maybe, just maybe, I will come visit. Oh, maybe, huh? Mm -hmm. Maybe. All right. Well, maybe we'll work something out. But mm -hmm. we'll definitely try to come back in two weeks. Are you going to, you're going to be around that weekend, right? New Year's weekend? Yeah. So we'll try to meet back here in two weeks. And then it may be a few weeks after that, toward the end of January. Was thinking San Francisco, but I think I might just wait until there's a better reason. Like, I don't know, you <laughs> in town to try to get away for that. So so we'll see how we'll effective I can be at uh, jumping on two wheels and coming up to visit. Okay, cool. We'll figure that out. Um, I, think that's all, I think that's all I have um, for now. We might have to do a gigantic ride that weekend because there oh. are so many people that oh. um haven't seen well i mean uh tim and ginger all those guys like i think we should do like sure if we can get together that would be great 
Yeah, I gotta find a bike. All right. I guess I should check a bag then. I'm pretty sure we should, uh... Oh, well, you weren't even planning on bringing... I wasn't sure. Like, I mean, yeah, I probably was, because every time I fly home, I check a bag. I check all my gear, just in case. I, sure. Like, I don't plan it in the head, but I typically, when I get there, I'll talk to my friends and figure stuff out. So I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably be bringing Well, we'll connect stuff. again, obviously, before. Yeah. So if it's strongly looking like I'm coming up, definitely bring gear. <laughs> all right, I will, I will, I will. All right, friends, we will talk to you soon. Thanks for waiting for us. We will be back in a couple weeks. Have a wonderful holiday. Um, hope you have a great weekend. Yep, happy holidays. Have a great new year. We thank you for listening to us. In the meantime, find us on motorific.com. Find us on facebook.com slash the motorific podcast. You can find us on the interwebs, on Twitter as ADV Goddess, and Gear Check and all the social realms. Until then, we will talk to you soon. Thank you. We'll talk Bye. to you later. Bye.